talk again this morning. We're going to continue in the Beatitudes, so let's ask the Lord to bless our time here together as we do that. Lord, this morning, we are your children here to meet you in your word. Lord, it's all about you. There's nothing here this morning, Lord, that we've come to do for us. We've come here to meet you, Lord, and have you to change us. So, Lord, this morning, as we read this, would you please, Lord, show us, teach us something new about how to be peacemakers that are blessed by you because lord we want to be known as and be called the sons of god lord we open the ears and the eyes of our hearts and all that we are to meet you in your word teach us in jesus name amen well you know if you've been studying the lord's uh word here the beatitudes here together if you haven't been with us for for everything i want you to know it's really been great and i hope you are developing your life in him by following these beatitudes and practicing them every day here's some things that we've learned you know you can go to them one by one about mourning and, and all that but here here's what we do we found out that you can't have one without all of them they all fit together, you know, better than my grandkids and Legos. These things just fit together, and they do. They build on, and they build the whole thing. And, and the whole thing is what we practice, not just one at a time. This is not a spiritual smorgasbord that Jesus was feeding his people. This is something that he gave us for us to build and take and build upon for our whole lives. These are commands, actually, if you look at it really close. Jesus says, blessed are the people. Blessed are the ones who mourn. Blessed are the, the meek. Whoa, are you meek? Blessed are the ones who hunger for righteousness. These are things that we are to be, and Jesus Christ is the one that's giving us the commands. And you know, this morning we're going to come to the one which I think may be the most humbling of all of them. You thought it was meekness, didn't you? Mm -mm. Maybe this. It's obviously, I think, has to tie in to blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And by the way, if you're a female, that also includes you. We're all, we're, we are the offspring of God. We're going to be called that if we're peacemakers. And let me tell you what, here's the problem we have. You know the problem, but I'm going to tell you again. Uh, in this world, being a peacemaker is exactly 180 degrees out of polarity with the rest of the world. We are exactly the opposite of the world around us. That's because the Beatitudes, being peacemakers, is something that in the whole new covenant we just talked about in communion. It's a whole new life. We are new creatures in Christ, and it's in Christ, not in the world. We miss that part a lot of times, don't we? There's nothing more futile than for the world to take the Beatitudes and try to apply them without Jesus Christ. And that's what goes all around us, folks. You can't do this without Christ, but when you do it with Christ, you are blessed in all kinds of ways, aren't you? The people in this world just can't really understand these beatitudes without Jesus Christ, much less practice them without practicing the, by knowing the one who gave them to us. And that's what we're all about. That's what we're all about here this morning. Amen? Amen. 
I hope that's why you're here. Are you here this morning to finally meet Jesus Christ? Yeah, okay, good. That's what I want to hear. Let me tell you what. This new life that we see in the Beatitudes, only someone that knows Jesus Christ can live it. These, uh, these are kind of out-of-this-world out statements, aren't they? Everybody want to tell you you're out of this world? You ever want to hear that? You are out of this world because you belong to Jesus Christ. Yeah, these Beatitudes, they're, they're really more shocking to the world, aren't they? So shocking, they don't listen to us anymore. Uh, they think how totally shocked the people were that heard them in Jesus' time. These, now listen to this, because we're a lot like them. The Jews had come up with their own way of, uh, of living out God's word, God's laws. Uh, the Pharisees had given them these laws, and they said, well, you know what? I'm a Pharisee said, I don't know if we can do that and that and that. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work for me. So I'm going to work out how it will work for me and how I can show it to you. So they came up their, with their own way of understanding what God said is the law. And so here comes the Jesus. They, they had come with their own ways of glorifying the work. The work. Did you hear me? The work that they were doing in their own eyes, to glorify God. Hmm, here comes Jesus. Huh, he's supposed to be the Messiah? Yeah, here comes the Messiah, the one that Jesus sent for them to take away all the sins of the world. But they wanted a warrior, a Messiah. He's going to come and he's going to take out this evil government, this evil Roman government. Is any of this sounding familiar to anybody? Hmm, going to take out the evil government that does everything their own way? And don't you find it really intriguing that men of God, Christians even, materialize what God's word says? Are you listening to me? We do that. Oh, dead silence. People are listening. Or nobody's snoring. That's a fatal mistake to try to do this without God, to try to do his law try to do anything without God. And these people, these, these Jews who heard Jesus, had already made that fatal mistake. They'd already tried to understand it their own way without going to God and let him explain it to them. And they just knew this Messiah was going to come in and he was going to take the Roman government out and put them in charge, doing things the way that made them comfortable. Hmm. He didn't do that, did he? You know, you see that, although even in the beginning of the New Testament. Remember when, when um, John the Baptist, his followers came to Jesus and they said, are you the one who's going to do this? Are you really the Messiah or do we need to go find somebody else? They're going to find the Messiah. Did you understand that one? He didn't come on their terms. He came on God's terms. And that's why we have to know God and why we, why we have to know Jesus Christ and what he says. He is the one who took away all the sins of the world for all those who confess him as Savior and Lord. Amen? They were saying, I want to see all, I see all your miracles. I see all the signs of God, but are you the one? I don't know about all that. He said, are you really going to do what we want you to do? And remember when, when he, he fed the, the 5,000 to 4,000, tell you the truth, I can't remember right now, but, but he, he fed this groups of thousands of families. And he came to him and they said, wow, they took all the food, the miracle, and they saw it, and they tried to force him to become king on their terms. Because he's feeding them with food and all that stuff that made them feel good that day on the mountain. But Jesus didn't come to feed us with food, did he? He came to feed our souls. 
and our spirits to give us eternal life in him. So that's, he says, that's not my way. And I'm not going to do that way. And then he drops a bomb. Remember, they're looking for a warrior. Here he comes. He drops a bomb and he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Not the ones that are going to go out and kill everybody and knock off whole governments. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So what makes peacemakers blessed or blessed? What makes them that way? They're unlike the rest of the people in the world. You ever think of yourself being unlike everybody else around you, except in this crowd, of course. Back everybody else around you, right? We're all accepted here, right? Please. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Amen. We stand out because we are the children of God, not children of the world. And they don't see the world like the rest of the world sees it. We don't. We're all learning to see it differently, aren't we? It hurts sometimes too, doesn't it? As Christians, we, we see through the eyes that Christ gives us, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our soul. And our, our vision becomes more and more clear the more we know him. I'll promise you this. I don't have to promise you this. God's word shows it in every page. The more you know Jesus Christ, the closer you get to him, the more he takes. He is indeed your Lord of everything that you do. The clearer your vision of him is and the more you love him. And the more joy you have in serving him and loving him and knowing him. Amen? Yeah, I like to hear that one too. But here's the thing. Christians are different. We got to quit trying to apologize for that, and I, and I say that in the term of trying to, to make people think, oh, well, it's okay. You can't do that. We are different, but we have to do it peacefully, and we're going to talk about that. We think different. We see different. We're just different from the rest of the world. I'm going to quote something here from King James. I hope you'll stay with me here. Um, Peter wrote this. In the King James Version, I like it because of one word, and I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. He says, but you are a chosen generation. That means you've been called out by God. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you should draw forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then Paul wrote to Titus. His, his, when he was bringing up in the Lord, he says, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. What? You are different, people. I hope you can say that, and I hope you live that out. You are different because God has made you one of his children, and you're different from the world. You're different from the other people around you. And he has begun a great work in you, and he's faithful to finish it, to complete it. Know that. I like this word peculiar. That's the reason I charge that. You are peculiar people. I'm peculiar. You're peculiar. I've been told that by a lot of people. Some of you even, and I forgive you. It's okay. But I like that word peculiar because it doesn't mean what we think it means. If you go and you look where that's, that's used in the Bible, the, the, the original word in the Greek throughout the Bible, you're going to find that that means that you are a different treasure. You are a treasure to God. Is that not wonderful? Does that not bless your heart? You are a treasure to God different than anything else in the world. You are peculiar. So enjoy being peculiar. You're peculiar to God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that we're peculiar and you were before you. So as a special treasured child of God, which is what you are, 
Um, there's a special tri- treasure of the king of heaven, Jesus Christ. You certainly will see the world differently than the children in this dark world, won't you? Don't hate it. Enjoy it and know it's from God. Uh, let me back up just a minute. Let's go back to the very, very cause of this world unrest. We've got a lot of world unrest. Have you noticed out there? Anybody read anything happening in the news, even this week, this day, everything? All the turmoil and I call it unrest. That's just, I don't know. Why are we having wars all the time? Seem to have been having them all the time. we never gotten out of them, have we? Golly, you mean we can't fix that? Why is there never any world peace in spite of Miss America? There's never world peace anywhere, is there? According to what we read here in these Beatitudes, there's only one answer. You ready? Sin. Just sin. Nothing else. The disciple of the Beatitude, the one who's learning these Beatitudes, practicing and living these Beatitudes, the peacemaker has become different in that the one who is sinless without sin has taken taken over and taken us into the family of God. Did you get that? Sin is in the world. That's a reason for it. But the one who's overcome sin has taken you and me into the family of God and left us here. Guess why? To be the peacemakers. Hmm. And that, that explanation of the world, I think, is, is that we are still chasing sin. The world chases sin, doesn't it? Look around you. Human lust, greed, selfishness, self-centeredness. John reminds us, for all that is in the world, not just a little, a few things, a laundry list, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Sin is the cause of all terror, all this concern about the terrorists and the discord and the wars and, 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 the, and the peace conferences and all that. If you don't understand that man is a sinner, basically, then there will never be world peace. No one can ever solve the problem of peace without God, who's taken away all the sins of the world. Does that make sense? Can I just go and sit down now? We solved it, didn't we? Let's take a look at these uh, peace conferences we've been having. You know, and I'm not getting political that our president has been overdoing or, or even some of the peace conferences that have or haven't worked or, or, or whatever. And these high-level peace talks and these international conferences that have been held in our whole lifetime, everybody here, um, to bring world peace. None of them have worked. Not a shocker, is it? Huh. Why is that? Why do you think they haven't worked? Obviously, politics won't work. That's been tried since the beginning of nations and certainly hasn't worked yet. Um, the answer isn't social. I'm sorry to tell you that. History tells us that the people are never satisfied with living off the government. You can go back and read all the world history you want, but governments fall apart when the people start getting fed by the government. 
As a matter of fact, it always leads to anarchy. But go read your history books on your own. That is the truth, and you'll find that to be true. It's not economic. You know that. This great experiment we've had in America has just led to greed. And greed always leads to destruction. The richest governments in the history of the world eventually fall apart because they fall into their own greed. And i got to tell you, folks, we followed. We hold the money and, and, and things in way too high esteem. They're not first in our lives. I'm going to talk about that tonight, this afternoon. Please don't miss that part. We don't put it on display in front of everything else. But God's word says right here in front of us all for us to read that he's given to everybody and we can all have. Christ is the answer to all of this peace problem that we have, our war and unrest. Christ is the answer. The minds and hearts that are, that are trying to, burl, to build world peace through political, social, economic reform are starting in the wrong place. You can't do it if you don't start with God. And you can't have peace if you don't start with Jesus. You know, we hear all this stuff about how the problems I'm having in my life, with my marriage, with my bank account, with my whatever. You know what? Start with Jesus. And here's the thing. As believers, never leave Jesus. He never leaves us. We go to him. Go to him and him only. The, the minds and hearts are trying to build all this stuff. They start in the wrong place. And let me tell you what, they are never going to get there. They'll never find world peace without Jesus Christ. That's a fact. Jesus says the peacemakers are, are blessed and are called the sons of God. This culture we live in has missed that. And it isn't seeing it in, a, in us. There's another problem. We have this peace living in us, but the world doesn't see it. Sorry to tell you that. That's a, I understand that's a poll of one, so do your own poll. Go out and see how many people see Jesus in you so you can bring, bring peace in their, their lives. Yeah, really, are you surprised that there's wars and rumors of wars? You know what? I'm not surprised. As a matter of fact, I found it to be an affirmation of God's word. He said it was going to happen, didn't he? And here we are. As children of God living in us, you know, our approach should be theological, not political, not social, and not economic. Hmm. Theological means knowledge of God, just so you know. God gives us his knowledge. And let me tell you what, we grow in him. We grow in his wisdom and the knowledge of his word. So with God in our heart, heads and our hearts, how are we supposed to be peacemakers in this world? Anybody got an idea? I do. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. I got it from God, so it's really not my idea. Attribution where it's deserved, right? Here's the thing. So what is a peacemaker? Here's the hard part, folks. Ah, you know, you got, we, we got all these psychobabble terms like the A personality and the B personality, or, or we've got uh, you're passive, passive-aggressive, or 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 passive and active and, and all that stuff. Well, let me tell you something. A peacemaker, a Christian peacemaker, is both passive and active. Oh, now you're confused, aren't you? We're both passive and active. Look, he's not passive like a wimp. That, that's not being passive. Wimp is not passive. Got that? 
That means letting evil run over us and enabling, if you will, evil to abound around us. Um, He's passive in the sense that he is peaceable. Now, let me explain that. You're going to see that all through Scripture as we look look into it. He didn't go around looking for fights. Doesn't go around baking fights, picking fights. A fight picker is not a peacemaker. Got that? You can write that down in your notes all you want. It is the truth. He's not a... It, so Paul wrote to Timothy, another one he was mentoring. He says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Gentleness and kindness. Correcting his opponents with gentleness and kindness. A fight picker, a fight picker cannot be a peacemaker. Remember that. So we're not going to go around and look for fights, right? I don't know. We come from this generation. Look, I'm guilty. I, I, you know, I confess. You know how old I am. But I grew up with the, with, the, with the people back in the 60s that wanted to go out and fight for freedom. They wanted to go out and pick fights. And we wanted to be radical, Right? You know what? It's not the way it works. It won't work. You can't do that. We have to be peacemakers. We're not going to go out and pick our fights. We have to be passive. We also have to be active. It means we have to go out and we have to do something about it. So, so a peacemaker does not make trouble, but goes out of his way to produce peace. It's getting harder, isn't it? Getting harder for us because we grew up in this country. We're supposed to speak what's right. We have our rights. Man, another time. Let me ask this. Do you have that desire to go out and just pass? Let, let, don't pick a fight, but try to make peace? How do you get there from here, where we are, in, in, our, in our whole situation? Lord, I, I want to have a heart of peace. Yes, can you say that? Do you agree with that? I want, to, I want to bring peace to others. So how do I do that, Lord? Show me. Help me. Well, it, it all starts with this new nature that Christ has given us. It's a new nature. It's not the old one that wants to go out and fight. It's from, you ready for this? A pure heart. Oh, we've already talked about that, hadn't we? You're working through these Beatitudes? you got that pure heart? We've already said that the heart that has jealousy and envy and all those horrible things in the world... Um, they separate us from God. So if we have any of those wrong kind of thoughts, we need to get rid of them so we have a pure heart that's from God. And he gives us that. And we have to have, to, to, um, uh, have that pure heart makes us meek. Humbled before God to purify it. And, of course, we become meek because we realize how spiritually poor we are. We're working right back through these things, aren't we? You get all of this? See how they all build up on one another? It's that new nature that we have. It's God's heart allows us to know peace. And then guess what? We become a peacemaker because we're sons of God. So how do you not practice this peacemaking? Here comes a battle. Hmm, how are we going to do that? Man, it's hard not to go in the grocery store and not pick a fight with somebody, isn't it? <laughs> Woo! I mean, you go in there and there's some people who just make you mad. No matter what happens. I mean, I got to cut you off in the parking lot, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Happens, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you what. 
We're going to start this Wednesday night. I want you to know, I want everybody to come here. It's only $40 a person. We're going to have a new 12-step program for you to learn how to be a peacemaker. No, we're not. (laughs) We're going to God's Word. God's Word has all the answers for us to become a peacemaker. Here's some things that that, that I've noticed, and and if you want to remember these, I hope that you will. The most important thing that we need to do, we learn from James. We need to, need to learn how to control this tongue thing. You know, we, learn, we need to learn when not to speak, when not to say things that just come out. You know, that's a hard thing. Uh, James wrote, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. I believe that's a sequence too. Um, now, let me tell you what. Let me, let me confess to you. I used to be someone that always had all the answers. I did. And, you know, in, in my business, I could do it. I could say it, boom, we'd do it. Great, problem solved. Wrong. You know, I was always quick to speak. Quick, I, I didn't hear, listen much, quick to speak. And then I went and started reading this Bible, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I stopped talking as much as I did. <laughs> I stopped inter- interrupting. I stopped finishing people's sentences with what I thought was the right answer. It doesn't work that way. You have to stop and you have to listen. Um, I'm always amazed when I look back at how much I knew before I read God's Word. And I'm always amazed at how much I don't know now. And I'm learning every day because I have to stop speaking and interrupting Him. He speaks to us, and we need to stop and hear, right? We need to do that too with the culture around us. When someone comes in and they say something, you know, oh, ooh, ee, that's wrong. You know that's not. You know, you've ever, you ever been there? You've been there maybe even today? Yeah, okay. You know what? You have to stop and hear. Be slow to speak. And here's another problem we have. We're told in our culture we're supposed to pre- speak up, right? We have the freedom of speech. Yeah. Hold your tongue. You're also free not to speak. And you're free to listen to God first. We are. That's what we should be doing. An obedient Christian being made in the image of Christ will be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Controlling speech. Uh, That's a hard thing, isn't it? If we get that speech under control, here's something else we have to follow it with. We have to look at everything that happens to us in light of Scripture. We're going to stop and hear, and then we have to hold it up to Scripture. What do you know about God's Word, what He said? You hold it up next to this thing, and that means that not only are we not to speak, but we are to think His thoughts, the thoughts that He gives us, His wisdom. That means... Uh, Hold everything up to the light of the gospel. If you're in, those of us who've been reading John, we have a couple of Bible studies there in John. You know what? It's not about me. When someone offends me, it's not about me at all. We need to be thinking, what can we do for this person? We've seen that just recently, hadn't we, in some of our ministry, you know, with some of the folks that are out fighting all day long out on the streets and whatever, and we have to get in there. And so, you know, the first thing that's going to happen is they want to get into fight. No. We have to stop and listen, and then we have to figure out what we can do, for what Christ can do for them. 
We have to think about others, not about me, not whether or not I'm going to get hurt, whether or not I'm going to get beat up or shot or whatever they're threatening us with. You know what? It's about Christ and about his work in the lives all around us. So when someone makes you mad, that guy that cuts you off in the, in the parking lot even, you know what? Or whatever, I'm using that being silly. But when someone makes you mad, when someone offends you like that, it's not about you. It's about Christ in them. He's put them right there in front of you. That's a hard one, folks. We're too busy trying to be self-righteous, aren't we? Trying to make it all us. What about the people involved? How can they see the glory of God in this? How are they going to see the glory of God in your life as you live it out in front of them? How can he, how can he use me here? Lord, what can you, how can you use me here? I'm here. Don't speak and then think. It's not one of those things where you know, I always, always think about this is ready, fire, aim. Ain't the way it works, is it? Next thing is finding a way to make peace in a situation. And that's what we need to do next. Jesus tells us, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. <clears throat> the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And Paul wrote, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. You know, they're talking about the, the, the enemy of yours who has said a lot of unkind things about you, said nasty things about you. Hmm, that's who we're talking about. So being a beatitudinous, can we add that to the Boulevard Underbridge Library? Be, being a, a beatitudinous, I like that, be, then... A Christian, a Christian peacemaker, you've held your tongue and, 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 you, and you're not spoken. Uh, that, that means you're not spoken with your tongue. <laughs> um, you can say, I, I see the devil in him. I see what's wrong here. I see what's going on here. I, I can see that through my Lord and my, and my Savior, Jesus Christ, because I know him. And you know what? He will turn from the world of sin to Christ if you just show him Christ in you. He might not do it that minute, but he will eventually. So if you can do that, then you know what? You just made it to that next step. And now for the last step. Here it comes. You ready? You look for ways to relieve him from his misery. This guy's in misery. Think about it. The guy's miserable who is trying to pick a fight with you. He doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't have Christ in his heart. Not that minute. Maybe ever. He's miserable without Christ. We need to show him a way, a loving way, a peaceful way to know that peace that Christ provides. You find some way to bring peace into that situation. And when you do that, you are now becoming a peacemaker. We're under construction in that department always, aren't we? But you're becoming one when that happens. The last thing I'm going to say to you this morning is about being a peacemaker and to live with God's peace in you in such a way that others see him in you and they see you all alive in him and it takes away all the turmoil of life. The last thing I want to say to that is um, think about what God has given you in your mind 
and do something to bring peace to this turmoil. Here's what happens. Here's how you can know. This is the, this is the reward. They shall be known as the sons of God. Did you hear that? Blessed are the peacemakers because they shall be known as the sons of God. Shall be called. Whatever. It's one word in the original language and it's used in the Bible in a lot of different ways. But let me tell you what it means right here. To be known as the son of God means you have been designated. And the way this is in the original language, you have been designated as a son of God by God himself. If you are a peacemaker and you're doing everything, you're a bit beatitudinous. I like that. If you are, you are beatitudinous, then you are going to be called a son of God and he's the one that's calling you his son. I want you to know it's great to belong to him because that means that all of me I've given to him. Amen? Have you done that? So if you've done that, you've given him everything that you have. You belong to him. He owns you. Are you okay with that? I am. I hope you are. He owns you. And he, you are his son and you belong to him. Now, don't get me wrong. To say that he owns you, you're part of the family. You are part of the family of God. And God the Father. I am so proud to be a part of the family of God. No other place to be and no other way to be known, is there? I like it when we read in Hebrews, he said, The God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. The God of peace who's overcome sin and overcome death. Paul prays for the Romans that they may be blessed by the God of peace. You know what? They may be blessed so that they be, may be known as the sons of God. That way, God would really overcome the Romans, wouldn't he? If they could just be known as the God of peace if they'd know him as that. Why did the Son of God come into the world? Because God, though he is holy and just and righteous, I'll talk loud enough, you don't have to turn that up, in, in absolute and all qualities, is God of peace. So, where you just said this this morning in closing, where did all this turmoil and all this war and, and, and all this discord, everything, where did it come from? From the world. And what is in the world to cause it? Sin. In Jesus Christ, the Prince of what? Prince of Peace has come and taken away the sins of the world. And he's brought its peace. He's done something. He's done the work for that. He does the work even now. You and I can't do it. He comes through us and does and makes us peacemakers through him. And all we are here to do, being made in the image of God, is to repeat what God has done. God humbled himself and became a man. He humbled himself from the position that he is in the, and became into the world. He's the Prince of Peace. And you know what he did? Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. You know the rest of this. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He didn't come here by accident. And he didn't come here. You know what? Jesus didn't have to come here. 
He did it deliberately to bring peace to the world. And how has he made peace? Let me read you what Colossians 1 says. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. He gave himself so that you and I may be at peace with God and folks at peace with one another. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken us down in his flesh and dividing the wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. Christ, our peace. That's where we want to be like Christ, isn't it? That's it. Here's the model of a peacemaker. Jesus Christ has given that to us. You know what? Jesus Christ didn't claim his heavenly rights. I gave up all my rights. I don't have any. So that I could be right with God. He didn't claim his heavenly rights. He became humble. A servant just like you and me. And he came here for you and me. He came here to bring peace to everybody that's sitting here this morning and everybody that's not. Everyone who received him received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He didn't claim his deity and his eternal nature. He became a servant. He became a man just like you and me. And by that death on the cross, the greatest dis, dis, the greatest show, the greatest display of humility ever was our Lord and Savior dying on that cross for you and me. You know what? I always like that song. We have, I've heard it sung a lot. I haven't heard it here. There was a song that when he was dying on that cross, he wasn't thinking about himself. He's thinking about you. Know that. Put your name in there. He was thinking about you when he died on that cross to bring you to a peaceful place with God. He offers you eternal peace with God. All you have to do is receive it. Bring him into your life. You know what? If you've never done that, cry out to Jesus. There's nothing here that can save you. Only Jesus can. Cry out to him. He hears your cries. He'll come into your heart no matter where you are, no matter what you've done. Jesus Christ hears you. If you go to him and you leave it with him, he'll take it. He'll take it away forever and ever. And you know what? He'll give you his peace forever. And as a peacemaker, you'll be called the son of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we want to call you Lord, the Lord of our lives, the Lord of our thoughts, the Lord of our minds, and Lord, the Lord of our souls and all that we are. Lord, I pray that you would make each and every person here that has given their hearts to you a beatitudinous. (laughs) Lord, people who've 
come before you and find ourselves spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt, and mourn about it, Lord, and find meekness and become pure in heart because you come into our hearts and you fill us. Lord, you make us into peacemakers. And Lord, as we come into to the ones who are merciful, we become more merciful and, and, and peacemakers. And all around us, Lord, we know that we'll be persecuted by this world, but Lord, it's for you. It's so the world may see what we're made of, what's inside of us, and that's your peace. Lord, I pray that for each and every person here this morning who hears these words and takes your word into their heart and lives by it. Lord, may you be glorified by it. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that has never made that transaction, has never come to you and said, Lord, I want you, I need you, I know I'm a sinner and I need you to come and take all that away and fill me, Lord, with your peace and your love and your joy. Lord, I pray that this morning, this today, would be that day that they come to you, come into the family of God. Lord, we praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.